Hello and welcome to another episode of The Extras where we take some time to think into the questions that came up from Sunday's sermon. Lachlan here as usual, joined this week by Raj. Hello everyone, hello Lachlan, great to see you. Thanks for joining us Raj. Uh, This past Sunday we've continued our journey through the book of Hebrews, we made it to chapters 3 and 4. Brief summary for us, what have we heard? Well, yeah, last week, I just a powerful part of God's Word, a challenging part of God's Word, um, which contains that, that quote from Psalm 95, um, not once, not twice, three times, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And, and yeah, that's, that's the point. And, you know, the way I started off with this was just, really trying to help us be aware of how our culture works, which is quite different to this challenging kind of mm. word. Um, and and so I just continue to hope and continue to pray that people would be able to um, be self-aware of our defensive reactions that are so built into who we are um, and also our culture and see what's here. And the reason it talks about, you know, not, not hardening your hearts, there's sort of three sections, I, I, I think. So 7 through to 11 is... Look at the past. Learn from the learn from Old Testament Israel, who did not make it into the God's promised mm-hmm. rest. Um, second bit in the middle, current the the pattern of sin at work in our hearts means um, we our hearts are deceived. Our hearts aren't thinking properly. And then moving into chapter four, there's a future vision, which is a glorious vision about entering God's rest. Um, he's resting. He rested from his works of creation in the seventh day, which continues. And we have the privilege of continuing. So, so there it was, you know, that this because of Jesus we can enter God's rest. Mm. Um, because of Jesus, don't have a hard heart. Mm. Listen to God. Mm. Uh, because of Jesus, make sure sin is not at work in your heart. Yeah, wonderful, great summary there. Uh, and I think people have heard that message because a lot of the questions are just asking for a bit more detail in some of those things. Uh, people have heard that repetition today. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And so let's get the questions going from there. Uh, people have asked questions about having a hard heart. What what does that actually look like? What is a hard heart? Yeah, thank you. The I think this question came up on Sunday, and my reaction to that is exactly that. It's a reaction. That's that's where you first see it. Now it does end up in you know, not listening to mm. right authorities and God's a right authority. It does end up not listening to the sun. What does it look like? What's an early kind of warning sign, if I can put it like that? I think it's having a defensive reaction. Mm. And so you read a part of the Bible. There are some parts of the Bible where, you know, we love hearing about grace, we love hearing about mercy. Mm. But then we hear some other things in the Bible that speak deeply into parts of our lives and we can have different reactions. Mm. Um, very interesting, chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, sort of where this particular passage ends up, um, makes these comments about the Word of God. That is, it is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And um, now, no one corrected me, so this is quite possibly right. That is, it's not possible to separate um, joints and marrow. They, they are one and the same thing. And yet, Sounds about right. I don't know. But well, soul and spirit, though, uh, that side of things, that's very hard to separate out as well. well. It, it, 
Yes, it is. So, you know, if you did, and yet what it's saying here is the word of God does exactly mm. that, which I think is just trying to get us to reflect on the nature of the word of God mm. speaking so deeply into things. Mm. So this question, um, what does it look like to have a hard heart? I think the early warning indicator is when you see when the word of God is speaking to you in an area and you have a defensive reaction, it's just worth sitting back and thinking, what's, what's going on here? Mm. Yeah, helpful. Yeah. So the hardness of heart is connected to hearing the word of God. That's led to some other questions for people. How do we actually hear God's voice? Uh, people, we can press into some of the specifics there. They've asked how do we differentiate God's voice from our own biases, our culture, our background? How do we know whether the earthly goals that we have for ourselves are inspired by God or if they're just impulses of our heart? How do we, how do we hear God speak, Raj? Yeah, well, look, you know, look, when you're at maturity parts, you might have some thoughts on, on here too, but let, let me kick us off. Um, I think this all, all of this highlights the importance of learning God's word in community. And um, we're just talking for our growth groups, over mm. 700 people across St Paul's and growth groups. And I just think there is a place where we can talk about what the word of God means, but also how it applies. And there is just an opportunity to... Um, um, to chew these things over in exactly these terms, our own biases, backgrounds, culture, inclinations. Um, we can moderate our own thoughts against others, but really wrestling, having the word of God as the authority with what does it look like in our culture. Mm. Now, someone actually texted me the other day um, um, and they they were just reflecting on the sermon and, and they just said, you know, picked up on my question at the end, if, if, if where are you most susceptible? And their answer to that question was, materialism and comfortable hedonism mm. and um, so we need to be careful as a culture mm. where we're moving to and mm. look let's face it Carlingford one of the richest places in Australia we're all susceptible to that so I think another thing you can do differentiating God's word from our biases so I've talked about living in community growth groups also church I could have talked about but another thing you can do is ask someone to hold you accountable Give someone permission to speak into your heart and into your life, um, lovingly, gently, mm. and so on. Um, um, anyway, there, there's some of my thoughts, but what about you, Rockwell? Oh, look, I think that's helpful, Raj. I think it's probably worth just stating what sounds like an assumption in your answer, but for some people it won't be an assumption that we hear God's voice in the Bible. And so it's the Bible in the midst of community. It's the Bible as we come to church. Yeah, We're not waiting on some other word from outside or if we get some other word outside of the bible we're coming back to check that against the scriptures and see what does scripture have to say here does it confirm this other word that i've heard or does it disagree with it uh, so it's just worth stating that we hear god's voice in the scriptures and as you say doing that in community where we can check whether we have some strange reading of scripture uh, or do other people agree that we're reading it properly um, so hearing god's voice in the bible uh, in all the same ways that we normally understand what a written word means. Um, so all those tools of watching for repetition, looking for how words connect together, uh, all of that is how we hear God speak. Yeah. Great. Uh, so we've heard that after hearing God's voice, we don't harden our hearts. Hardened hearts is looking like that defensive mechanism. Uh, now the scripture here in Hebrews is telling us not to harden our hearts. How, how do we not do that? Yeah. Um, look, I, I think 
There are several ways not to do that, so we've talked about some of those, actually. Uh, I think... Um, now, in the sermon I preached, in the locations I preached, so Pete and I both preached the same passage, but I talked about just the influences of our society in, mm. you know, the number of advertising messages we get, um, the shift that's already happened now about how glued we are to things like phones and being aware of the influences that are coming in mm. that are shaping our minds, our hearts, our reactions. And, and so I just want to encourage people, the best way to do that is to put yourselves in situations where those influences we're getting are being countered by listening to the voice of God, mm. which is the Bible. So I think this is a great time of the year. Um, I'm delighted so many have joined up for growth groups. That is one of the prime places in our church life, also being part of Sunday Church. Um, and it's a really good time to ask this question. Over COVID, you know, feel nerves about where things are up to. I, I, I do feel like there's still COVID around, of course, but but... As a society, I think we're on the other side of that. Now is a good time to reinstitute these habits. Hebrews 10 talks about this, this very thing, picking up on the same things. Mm. It says, do not give up the habit of meeting together, um, as some are in the habit of doing, and but encourage one another all the more. Um, and even in this text here we looked at, it's, just, it's fascinating. It's so easy to gloss over. Verse 13, encourage one another daily. Mm. And I think that is so that our hearts don't get hardened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we don't do that much. I talked about morning and evening prayer, but you know, some would say the good old days. You know, I'm, I'm not suggesting see you at six a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, right. Six a.m. tomorrow. We'll be here for church. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think it's worth reflecting on the what's happened historically. Mm. That is, we have lost some of those good things that were introduced. Um, they were introduced so that we would have the opportunity to be encouraged daily mm. and encourage mm. others daily. Mm. But I don't know what they've been replaced with mm. in, at a community level. Yeah. I think at an individual yeah. level, we have things like daily devotions. Um, you know, reading Genesis at the moment, I was on it earlier on, which is, I get it by email, other people prefer hard copy. So there's individual things we can mm. do. But I do think there's a, there's a focus here of, as a community. Mm. Yeah. yeah, nice. It draws to mind for me um, just some of those classic verses from the Psalms as well here. I think of Psalm 119, just memorising these last year, that how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I've stored up your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Some of those practices of memorising scripture as well, which having friends that do that with us can help and uh, we can memorise together. Uh, if there are specific sins that you feel are a struggle, finding some promises of God, some commands of God that you can really store up and come back to when that sin comes with its deceitful word promising pleasure. Yeah. To remember that the promise is a lie and that God's word is actually the truth. Uh, look, all this talk of hard hearts and sin, it's linked in Hebrews with an idea of rest. Uh, you know, Hebrews is reflecting back on Psalm 95, talking about the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They missed out on the rest of getting into the promised land. Chapter 4 then talks about it seems to be a different rest that still remains, not the promised land. Mm -hmm. uh, although you're travelling over there soon, you know, you're not going there to pitch your tent and stay there as if that's the hope for the Christian. 
Uh, what is the rest that Hebrews 4 is talking about? Yeah, thank you. Um, this is a great question, and, and I, I love it. You know, there's a quote here from, um, you know, Psalm 95 is really quoted throughout, but it's picking mm. up on this concept. So historically, the Exodus happens. Psalm, the Psalm is written after the Exodus happens, and, and it picks up on, you know, looking back to the time of the Exodus, don't be like the Israelites who didn't listen and didn't enter the God's rest of the land of Canaan, the promised land, Israel, modern day Israel. Um, and it says there's another day coming. There's another rest coming. And here it picks up on the same thing. Chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Um, and so I, I think from there it's, it's reasonably clear it's a future thing that it's talking about from our perspective. And yet the way it puts it, so verse 6, for example, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, um, and it's just been talking about the seventh day where God rested from all his works. So I think what's happening here is, you know, in Genesis 1, we see God created um, the world, but the universe in six days. Then on the seventh day, he rested. Here, what it's doing in Hebrews, it's talking about entering into God's rest. Um, and so he rested from his work of creation. Mm. Uh, he, that's what it's talking about. The privilege we have to enter not a physical place here in this world mm. like Israel or something else but to enter into um, um, the kingdom that is explained to us is what we inherit as God's people because of Christ mm. um, so Revelation particularly the end of Revelation is full of images of what that's going to be like you life being the sea being the people no more crying no more death um, and so on that's that's what we're told to mean for. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. so. Um, so something in the future, not something here on earth now. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Um, verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Mm. It, it's not talking about. Um, now, it did, does have implications, actually, for you know, rest in this world. I didn't talk so much about that, nor did Peter. Um Anyone who enters God's rest, that is, anyone who will, looking forward to that time, also rest from their works, just as God did from his. So, you know, we, we go back into the Old Testament. Um, we talk, it talks about the Israelites are told to have a Sabbath. In fact, it is interesting. I've been to Israel once before, and I arrived on the um, Sabbath, um, as it's called, and everything was closed. Mm. And they go a bit far in some, you know, the ATMs didn't work, the lift stopped at every floor and all of this sort of thing. I couldn't find anything to eat. Um, but, you know, there was something about being forced to have rest. Yeah. And yeah. I just thought, look, this was inconvenient for me in many ways, but there was just something lovely about it. Let's talk about that some more because a few questions came in about modern day Sabbath rest and how that should look for the Christian. Hebrews 4, like we say, isn't talking about that rest particularly. No. It is this future rest to come, but there are implications. That don't need to necessarily travel to Israel to experience the shutdown of shops, maybe just go back 20 years in time. I remember growing up in Australia and shops weren't trading on a Sunday. Sunday was a day that things were closed and you would be resting. Uh, how should we think about Sabbath as Christians? Is that something that we should be practising? 
Yeah, so think? you're talking in this world. I yeah. think, you know, the overall category as we see here, verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the, for the overall category in the Bible is the future. Mm. Um, but I also think, look, this is, we're entering into a controversial space here, Lachlan. <laughs> um, it's the best kind. Um, so, you know, these are the extras. I remember preaching on this very topic from okay. that angle at a different church, and I preached the same sermon in different congregations. And it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. The one congregation's reaction was they were really upset mm -hmm. because I reflect back on it now and I think they wanted me to say everyone should have today a day off, mm -hmm. you know, in seven. It was not a congregation. They, they mourned the shift that has happened in the society. They see the implications. Mm -hmm. Family congregation loved the sermon. Mm -hmm. It's just so striking, the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, because I wasn't, I, my view is it's not like a, a legalistic thing that people should do mm. um, and that the impact they had in the family congregation that were busy, you know, taking their kids to sport all day Saturday and, you know, trying to fit too much in their lives, they felt liberated from, mm. so they loved the sermon. Mm. Um, and so I've just reflected back on that ever since, mm. you know, so, so. My own understanding from the Bible is no longer, so, you know, one of the Ten Commandments talks about having a yeah, Sabbath. Yeah. That doesn't, I mean, here Hebrews 4 is a place where we see how it translates. That is, it's a typological thing. Mm. I haven't used that term in a sermon. Um, but, but the Bible, the Old Testament has all of these images. Sometimes it's called, you know, the anti-type, which points to the type, typology. Mm -hmm. And um, God's... The promised land is part of that, Israel and Canaan, mm -hmm. pointing to mm -hmm. the future rest mm -hmm. that we've been talking about. Um, but I also think the Sabbath is part of that. You know, there was something there so that we would long for something. Now, I want to be really careful because I think... You, you look at how God created us and resting is a needed thing. In fact, just yeah. earlier today, I was talking to a psychologist mm. preparing for something and... Mm. and um, which we're going to record and you know this was one of the things that came up people need some mm, time for mm. themselves some time to rest it's that actually goes back to god's creation yeah and the way he's made us yeah. um yeah but yeah i'm so cognizant lachlan that different people listening to this are in very different places on this spectrum that's fair and you know i've read other things recently a book that I won't name that I just, I really had reactions reading it mm. because it was, um, um, there was something good in what it was reacting mm. to and mm. that is just how hectic some people's mm. lives have become. Mm. Um, but where it ended up was just the complete opposite end of the spectrum, mm. which was just, um, you know, having a lifestyle that I think didn't really reflect the urgency of the times we're in. Yeah, okay. Um, but then there are other people who need to hear. So it's complex to talk, you know. On Maybe a, we should have done a stress night on rest rather than uh, <laughs> falling away. Yeah, lots yeah. to press into there. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if that's answered what you wanted me to push into or just some thoughts, and you might have thoughts of your own as well. No, look, I think uh, that's opened up the conversation on Sabbath for people. I think what's important to say here, flying from Hebrews 3 and 4, is that now, Hebrews 4 isn't about encouraging us to have one day off in seven. It is talking about this future reality. And as 
someone with their question highlighted, uh, Hebrews makes life now seem quite hard in some of the language it uses. It talks about endurance and perseverance and running a race, you know. It's not very restful language necessarily in that sense. Uh, we're looking forward to a rest to come. We have rest now in Jesus who says, come, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Uh, but we definitely are forward focused yeah. in our longing. Uh, I would just say that perhaps a practice of Sabbath gives you a bit of a foretaste of that rest to come. And that can be one of the benefits for those who pursue that kind of regular practice. Well, Lachlan, I think that's how it's put here in Hebrews 4. Um, verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Mm. You know, it's 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 getting used to something. It's longing for something. It's mm. um, And it keeps you going. Mm. Mm. Um, so, sorry. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, look, let's move on to a different topic here, but a connected one. Um, the language of Hebrews in this section, it's quite urging. It's an exhortation. Verse 11 of chapter 4, make every effort to enter God's rest. Uh, now, as some people heard that, they sent in questions wrestling with, how does that fit alongside us being saved as a free gift of God by grace? You know, is God saving us or do we have to work and make our own effort to enter that rest? And so a uh, very simple question that gets at that discussion is, how, how do we know that we will enter God's rest? Um. Look, I think, thank you, you put a number of things into there. We go back to the start of chapter 3, and, you know, we, we've come into this text from verse 7 of chapter 3. We haven't started at verse 1. But if we do start in verse 1, we say, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, mm. whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. And that's the key. And, and when it talks about making every effort... Um, it's in no way suggesting to make every effort in terms of a works righteousness. Mm. Um, but it is talking about every effort to keep fixing your thoughts on Jesus. Mm. The Hebrews were, at the very least, in danger. Some of them may well have drifted away. As we've seen that language of drifting away in chapter 2. Um, we've seen an encouragement in chapter 1 to keep your keep listening to the Son. He's the one through whom God now speaks. And... So for making every effort here, that's what it's talking about. Mm. Listening to the sun, fixing mm. your eyes on mm. Jesus, not drifting away from Jesus. And mm. it's going to go on with more of that language, Hebrews. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really thankful for this question because, you know, that's what, that's what the effort language is about. It's not an effort language in the sense of um, make sure you keep doing X, Y and Z in order to be saved. Mm. Mm. Now, there's a whole category we could talk about of what the transformed Christian life looks like. James 2 talks mm. about the connection of faith and deeds, for mm. example, very strongly, as do many other parts of the Bible. But one of the problems, I think, is people, it's so easy for us to drift away from thinking we are saved by looking to Jesus and trusting him yeah. into what we do. Yeah. Um, so we don't enter that rest, God's rest, by... What we do, in fact, the reason to look for Jesus is because we can't. And and we're going to come into that actually in the sermon coming up on this coming Sunday from chapter 4, verse 15, verse yeah. 14. Um, so I might just finish off my ramblings on this question with, you know, don't miss church this week. 
Sounds good. Sounds good. And I thought it was so fitting on Sunday that at least a, a couple of the services that I was at, we ended by singing Grace Alone. Just a good reminder after some of this language gets. Yeah. It's all by God's gift to us. Uh, another topic that came up from Sunday was the idea of kind of the Christian life as something done in community. We've already talked about some of that. People have heard that on Sunday uh, and they've asked some questions again for some more detail there. How, how is church helping us to enter God's rest? Yeah, so thanks, Lachlan. I think um, the first thing to say is when we hear the word church often these days, we can think about the institution of church. So for some people might hear that question and think, how is the church, how is, you know, Raj or the leadership mm, or the mm. whatever. But, but the way you've introduced it is fantastic. This is talking about community. Mm. This is talking about, um, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. So when you understand church as being God's people gathered, that is, mm. you know, the ecclesia term of church, um, different to God's people, by the way. God's, God's people is used as a term in this text too. But church is talking about the gathering of God's people. So, you know, how is it that church, that is God's people gathered, is helping us enter God's rest? By encouraging one another. Mm. And uh, we, I talked about this before, but let me, let me do it again. We, I think we can work, we have opportunity to, de- to develop a few more things in our, you know, I think being at church each week, I think being in a growth group each week, um, I just, I want to encourage them as baseline kind of things mm. that everyone does. Mm. Um, but, you know, every now and again I hear, in fact, you do this, Lachlan, so you, I hope it's okay for me to say, but you're in a WhatsApp group. Um, with people who have agreed to for a particular Bible reading plan, and the purpose of that group is to be able to uh, provide comments and mm. people engage, um, and that is an example of encourage, seeking to encourage each other daily. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know if you want to help us just understand how that works, or um, I, I hear other people talk about being in different groups of that nature as well, um, and doing the same kinds of things in different different people doing different ways. But yeah, what's your experience? Yeah, look, this year we, we do just have a group that's on the same shared Bible reading plan and there's a space there to share reflections, something that God has said to us today in those passages. Uh, in earlier years, I was encouraged by someone just uh, each time that I am reading or each day to think of one person that I can encourage in Christ in some way. Uh, that was a helpful practice for me to be encouraged in. So someone else has encouraged me to do that by their example and their words of encouragement and that's then led to me thinking each day okay what's one way that i can send a message to give a phone call to catch up with someone just try to encourage one person each day Uh, that made it more manageable for me than thinking about encouraging everyone every day and so that was a helpful thing to consider you know someone just only recently sent me a a facebook messenger message and just said oh raj i have a practice of praying through my friends on facebook Mm. and I let them know when I have and mm. I've just come up to you mm. and I've just prayed for you and by the way and he just sheds a reflection about how he's seen the Lord work through a particular thing I did many years ago yeah. that I've forgotten all about Yeah, um, it was a short message yet so encouraging mm. we haven't got a bit of kind of banter since it's not someone I know that well Yeah, but 
I think we underestimate the power of encouraging people. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. wonderful. It might be worth saying that there will come times where people need perhaps more encouragement than at other times. I think of examples, particularly in our current climate, of people who have reached out for encouragement because their work context is getting quite combative for them as a Christian and they're trying to think through how they live that out. So there might be situations there where we go, okay, here's a person in the context of Hebrews that is feeling a temptation to shy away from representing Christ. So there might be moments where we particularly encourage people in those particular situations. Yeah. Uh, having that awareness of life is helpful. Look, we've got a couple more questions. Uh, we're ticking over towards half an hour, so let's see where we can get to. Uh, we want to hit, okay, let's keep talking about uh, the Christian community because it's meant to be helpful for us. Sometimes, though, the Christian community is not helpful. People get hurt. People feel betrayed by their church. That might be part of the reason they leave the faith. Uh, if we have been hurt by church, how do we keep ourselves from... You know, being deceived by sin yeah. while processing that pain and that grief of yeah. feeling hurt. Um, I am so thankful that someone has put this question in, Lachlan, um, because it is a painful reality that over the years people have been hurt. Mm. And um, can I just say to anyone who's in that situation, I'm really sorry, mm. you know, as a Christian leader, I may not have been directly connected with whatever your example is, but just on behalf of, you know, the diocese and behalf mm. of Christian leaders around the place, um, I just want to say and acknowledge I do know that some leaders have gone, you know, done inappropriate things or hurt people or whatever it is. Um, my overall kind of plea just in that situation is I, I would love someone in that situation to reach out to me or someone else on the team I'd love to be able to understand what's happened to you, to talk mm. with you, to pray with you. Um, hopefully in some way to encourage you, but not all Christian leaders are like that. Um, sometimes it's happened intentionally, other times mm. it's happened unintentionally. Mm. Um, we live in a very difficult world and sinful world. Um, and so human institutions of any kind, of every kind, um, there is sin there too. Mm. Um, now, that's not necessarily to say that the whole um, church or other churches are wholly corrupt because of that particular experience. Mm. And yet I do understand the impact of particular things. And I've mm. talked with lots of people over the years about, about this. Um, so my encouragement is, you know, the sharp edge of a question, how can we keep ourselves from being deceived by sin? I think one thing is the evil one will just love for that particular experience to become a, a foothold in your life so that you don't, so that your eyes are not on Jesus. Mm. Um, and so let me just offer some ideas about how to not let that be the case. I think firstly, just um, find a church with a leadership that you trust, mm. that you're able to trust. Um, it might be here at St Paul's, um, but somewhere. And I think that is that is the, the power of community is key. I've seen too many people over the years think, I don't need Christian community, I'm going to mm. do it on my own. Mm. And I think Hebrews has lots to say about that. Um, that is, don't do that, because <laughs> there's a great power 
So find Christians that you can meet regularly with in different ways. Um, if I can in any way, you know, take a role of helping you resolve the things that have happened in the past or at least come to a place of contentment and happy to talk about, you know, counselling and how to, how, to, how to help process. Mm. I'd love to do that. Mm. But I would really hate to see um, a painful such experience in the past get in the way of someone's relationship with Jesus. Mm. Yeah. I'm pondering as you say that, Raj, just thinking of the Israelite example that's given from the edge of the wilderness. You had 12 spies go into the land. Ten of them came back and did the wrong thing by God and led to people missing out on that rest, which is a great grief. Yeah. Uh, so there's just an example even there of those who should have been leaders themselves not heeding and obeying the word of God yeah. and causing great pain to others. That's great. Lot, I wish I'd thought of that when I was asking that question. <laughs> no, you, you very helpfully directed us to some ways forward and I think that's yeah really helpful to hear. Look, we might leave it there for today. There's a couple of extra questions that came in, but I think we'll be able to come back to those later on in the book of Hebrews because they keep touching on the themes that we'll keep touching on, you know, negative versus positive reinforcement and how do we go about fixing our eyes on Jesus. We'll keep getting encouraged to fix our eyes on Jesus all the way through the series. So we might pick those up later on. But thanks for your time helping us probe a bit further into Hebrews 3 and 4. Any final words you want to leave us with? Um. Look, thank you just for all of the questions and the engagement. Um, um, Hebrews, as you said, it weaves through the um, the challenges, but there's also encouragements. And, you know, where we're coming to this Sunday, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, through to, through to chapter 5, verse 10, it's one of those high points of encouragement. Mm. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great it's a great part of God's Word. In fact, it also would be a fantastic week to invite our non-Christian friends, where we're just going to see that, mm. we're going to see this particular argument that's making, sitting behind that, um, and it's, I'm looking forward to it. Wonderful. But we'll see you there on Sunday, Raj, and we'll see everyone else there on Sunday as well as we continue on in the book of Hebrews. Thanks. Thanks.